Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I am Christian Sager. Hey, the other night I went outside to bring my dogs in before we went to bed. Got covered in mosquito bites. It's that season. Like, it is. I was just, and I can't do anything. Like even if I get out there and I start putting the spray on, they get to me before then. Yeah, we uh, we ha- we have a company that comes and sprays our yard with uh, some sort of uh, bio- biologically friendly stuff. I mean, yeah. It's not friendly to the mosquitoes, obviously, or I think to the bees either. But uh, it allows us to actually go out in our yard and not have to worry as much about the mosquitoes. But yeah, this is a. It's a terrible time for mosquitoes just in general. Yeah. Uh, and on top of that, we have all the uh, added concerns about uh, the Zika virus. Right, especially because like, as we're recording this, there's just been announced that it's it, uh, Zika virus has been found in Florida, right? Yeah. Which we are in Georgia. That's not that far away. Uh, and I, I suspect highly that there are a lot of people, especially pregnant women, who are very concerned about that. Yeah, I mean, I have a couple of friends who uh, are currently pregnant, and they have been uh, very, very mindful of uh, of this scenario. Yeah. So we thought it would be a, a good opportunity to talk a little bit, a little bit about mosquitoes in general, refresher yeah. on what this organism is, why they are so successful, but more importantly, getting into one of the more unique strategies out there to combat the mosquitoes. Yeah, and that is the mosquito factory. Yeah, and you covered this uh, for how stuff works. Now was it last week? Yes. So if if you you guys are interested in, in hearing more about this and diving a little deeper, Robert both wrote an article about it and uh, did a short video that's about three minutes long. And I, I imagine that we'll be able to post that to our social media fairly soon too. Yeah, and that'll contain a link to our podcast probably, and the yeah. podcast landing page will definitely have links back to those. Hopefully, we can combine them all. So like, depending on how deep you want to dive into mosquito land, you know, it's all right there in one suite for you. But yes. uh, but the video is really cool because you talk about this new innovation in China, which is a big part of what we're going to talk about today, using Wolbachia bacteria mm-hmm. uh, in mosquitoes to try to basically kill off the population of mosquitoes that spread dengue fever and Zika. Yeah, to kill off, but also to manage and redefine, really. So yeah. it's, it's, it's pretty interesting because it goes... As we'll discuss, it goes beyond merely wiping out your enemy, but also right. uh, manipulating your enemy. And there, as well. there's, you know, potential uh, consequences to rewards like that as well. We're going to talk about all of that today on the episode. But uh, to start off, we're gonna we're gonna discuss the enemy itself, the mosquito. And the mosquito is a weird creature to to discuss because it it. Unlike most of the creatures that you're able, you're generally going to encounter in your daily life, it is most certainly the enemy. Yeah, it's true, right? Like nobody feels sorry for mosquitoes. Even yeah. like, like I'm a, as, as people know from listening to this show, we talk about this sometimes. I'm a vegetarian and yet mm-hmm. like if I'm getting bitten by a mosquito, my automatic uh, reaction is like smack that thing, you know, get it or get it away from me as fast as possible, you know? Yeah. Even, uh, Geez, like even cockroaches, sometimes I'll be like a little nicer to and like try to scoop them up and get them out of the house or something. But a mosquito, I'm just like, no, I don't want to deal with this. Yeah, there's just there's absolutely no remorse. And it's it's been weird raising uh, a child. Uh, my son is, is now four. Yeah. And we've been really trying to to emphasize that you need to be compassionate. And, you know, we don't just squish bugs because they're there. Right. We we take an interest in them. We give them the, the distance they need. And then you know, we find something in the house. We let it out. You know? Yeah. 
But the mosquito, that's the, the only creature where we've taught him, oh, well, if you see one of those, you smack it. Right. Um, and if you see it on someone else, you can even smack it. <laughs> you know, whatever the cost, this is our enemy and we must defeat it no matter, no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially like, I, I don't know if your son is like this, but I remember growing up, like, my mom used to always say, like, oh, they love your ears because I would get just mosquitoes would go right behind my ears mm-hmm. always. And maybe that was just like the best source of blood or something like that. Oh, yeah, they're, they're drawn to him. Yeah. Um, and he, he seems to have more of a reaction to him. And he's a kid, so he scratches yeah. them more. So, yeah, sure. So even on days where I'm not wearing sprays, like we're just spraying all sorts of uh, stuff on him mm-hmm. and making sure he's covered up. Otherwise, they just eat him alive. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, we, we talked about this a little bit on our, uh, vampire episode when we, when we were talking about, um, the science of, of vampires drinking blood, right? Mm-hmm. And we sort of compared it to the mosquito and the science of that. If you're interested in that, you should go back and check out that episode. But it, this made me think of that, right? Because of the, like, the sort of idea of if you just let mosquitoes drink you constantly, it would still take them, like, months to drain a body. And yet, like, there's such a constant, annoying, a uh, pest. Right. Because they don't drink you all at once. They just get a little sip here, a little sip here. Exactly. A little from this guy, yeah. a little from this gal. And I think if I remember from the vampire episode, that was sort of the proposal for the functional vampire was that's how they should operate as well. Right. All right. So let's talk about this, uh, this most perfect organism, the mosquito. The world is currently home to roughly 3,500 named species of mosquitoes, though only about 200 or so directly bother humans. Um, and you can't really blame them, right? Because, I mean, just look at us. Uh, like the mosquito, we thrive with ease throughout most of the world. We also offer large expanses of relatively hairless skin, mm. all of it coursing with delicious blood. And we have, we tend to, to be distracted by stuff, you know? Yep. It's like my son walks outside. Pokemon he's, Go. he's just doing his thing. Yeah. I'm working on the porch and then everybody else in the neighborhood is playing <laughs> Pokemon Go. Just, just, just. Sitting there waiting to be sucked uh, dry by the mosquitoes. Somebody should do a study on the effect of Pokemon Go on a uh, on mosquito population. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> it's probably done a lot for them. We also have to remember, too, of those two hundred species, though it's only the females that are drinking blood. Yeah, that's that's uh, one of the important factors here. The the females drink the blood because they have to use the blood to uh, as part of their reproductive cycle to actually develop yeah. the eggs. Uh, the males they do not drink the blood, and we'll and we'll get back to uh, to the difference between the males and the females in a minute. Um, Mosquitoes in general, though, they're accomplished flyers, as you know very well from your attempts to kill them. They're skilled at infiltrating human habitats. They can, they hitch sea-spanning rides. They invade new continents, as we see with the invasive yellow fever carrying Aedes aegypti in South America. Mm. Uh, they also benefit from an incredibly fast reproductive cycle. All they need is the tiniest bit of standing water to deposit their eggs in, which develop into a, this, their aquatic uh, wriggling larva. Uh, Abandoned swimming pools and bird baths are great, but they can also make do with a pet bowl, sure. a candy wrapper, even like just small puddles and cracks in the earth. So one of the things that I read for this that didn't make it into the notes was that in Brazil, where they're very, you know, we're going to talk about that later, uh-huh. where they're very concerned about this. Uh, they actually sent military out home to home to make sure that there weren't tires in the yards oh, filled yeah. with water. Yeah, because it's that big of a problem. They need to like 
uh, the, their primary concern is managing these these stale water sources or yeah. sorry stagnant water sources. But but you know it's one of those things where yeah you can go to to homes you can sweep the area and you can turn over old old kitty swimming pools and old yeah. tires. But there are all those little things. I mean just a candy wrapper. Oh yeah, you know yeah. Uh, they're just wonderful infiltrators. And they have four stages. There's the, there's the adult, there's the water surface eggs, and then there's the subsurface larvae that breathe through uh, snorkels of sort, uh, little breathing tracheal tubes that poke up through the surface of the water. And then when those develop, then the mosquito uh, comes up to the surface, flies off, and uh, they're ready to go. Yeah, they're vicious. And they, they it, it, like, it, it's so incredibly quick, and that's part of the difficulty of trying to manage their populations, too, is... is how fast they breed and, yeah. and their cycle of life is. Now, they've been with us a while. They've been around roughly 100 uh, million years, according to the sources I was looking at. And according to uh, Dark Banquet author Bill Shute, who we mentioned on the Vampire episode, because it's an excellent book about blood drinkers in yeah. general, with an emphasis on bats, but also some uh, discussion of mosquitoes, he points out that the oldest evidence for blood feeding actually comes from a fossil proto-mosquito from the Triassic period 220 million years ago. Wow. Now, this was a time when there were no flowering plants, so the elongated proboscis on this creature is thought to have functioned more or less like the modern mosquitoes. I'm imagining that they were bigger, though. Everything was bigger. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like the one that uh, Homer Simpson kills. Yeah, exactly. Uh, when yeah. he travels back in time. Uh-huh. Now, you'll find mosquitoes on every continent except Antarctica. Uh, they thrive, and even our most exhaustive uh, steps to eradicate them often only serves to do them in for a short period of time. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there was a, an, an article in Technology Review that came out recently uh, looking at some of the efforts we're discussing here, and they pointed out that Brazilian officials declared invasive yellow fever carrying Addis aegypti mosquitoes eradicated in 1958 following s- some rather intense efforts, this kind of door-to-door yeah. kind of thing that yeah. we're talking about here only to experience reinvasion in the decades to follow and then you're right back where you were to begin with. Yeah, it's uh it, that was that was a time where they they were using a lot of sprays as well as like sort of like you know like you said door-to-door management trying to make sure everyone was following sort of best practices mm-hmm. and yet here they are it's back worse than ever. Now this is interesting. We've we've mentioned the the difference between males and females. Mm. Even though the females are the only ones doing the blood drinking, both sexes of of mosquito take advantage of plant nectar for nourishment. Right, yeah. That's one of the big concerns along the lines of eradicating them is what would it do to the uh plant population that yeah. they're pollinating. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we'll and, and we'll we'll get into that in the like the, I think the the final portion of the the podcast. But yeah, people often don't realize that that yeah. in addition to drinking blood, they're also visiting these different plants. Um and the the female blood drinking, if nothing else, uh, that really knocks the already shaky science foundation out from under the 2005 sci-fi original picture Mansquito, <laughs> uh, in which a half man, half mosquito hybrid sucks blood and seeks out a female mate. Have uh, you have you seen this? Uh, I have not seen it. I'm I've heard of it, and I, I gosh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I just feel like there are a lot of sort of giant mosquito or, or, or where mosquito type, uh, things in like some pretty trashy science fiction. Actually, you know, what's a good one. Uh, in that China Mieville boss log universe, mm-hmm. there's a species, I think they're called the Anopheles or something like that. 
uh, and they're mosquito women oh. that like, uh, zip around on wings and like attack people and drain them dry. Well, he got the sex right, at least. Yeah, it? he did. Well, you know, Mieville does his research. <laughs> now, uh, I don't want to hate on Mansquito too much because the, the director, uh, Tibor uh, Takas. Okay. He actually gave us the super fun 1987 film The Gate. Ah, uh, yeah, I like The Gate. I saw that yeah. recently. And yeah. and the follow up the ni- 1990s The Gate 2. Uh both of which were yeah, tremendous fun. Uh, yeah. I think a, a young uh what's his name? The villain from the first Blade movie was in Oh yeah, you're uh, right. God, what is his name? Steven Dorf, that's the one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Young Steven Dorf. Demon summoning, wishes granted, and then wishes turning into poop <laughs> after the fact. It's a pretty fun That's one. That's like back when they made horror movies for little kids. Yeah. I mean, I guess we have goosebumps nowadays. Well, you know, maybe we'll get back into that. I feel like that's yeah. one of the strengths of uh, the recent Netflix hit Stranger Things. Yes. You know, it taps yeah. into that, that childhood adventure scenario. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, certainly, even though I don't think there are any direct references to the gate in that show, <laughs> right. there's a little bit of the, the gate's DNA. Yeah, yeah. All right, so anyway, the, the females do feed on the blood, and they feed on it a lot, and they feed by dipping into an organism's blood, then another organism's blood, and then another, making them an ideal disease vector. Yeah, so this is where the real problem comes about, and especially with this Aedes aegypti uh, species, because they're the ones that really are carrying so many of these diseases that are problematic for the human population. Yeah, of course, uh, one of the big ones, the most uh, famous one, perhaps even, is malaria. And according to some estimations, mosquito-borne malaria kills one human being every 12 seconds. That's how pervasive a problem this is. Well, they're also responsible for dog heartworm, also dengue fever, which we're going to be talking Mm -hmm. about a lot today. You mentioned yellow fever already. There's also estern uh, equine encephalitis. St. Louis encephalitis, a lacrosse encephalitis, Western equine encephalitis, all, all the, encep- the encephalitis. The main, all your main encephalitis. Yeah. <laughs> is there a plural for encephalitis? Uh, I think we just encephalitis. Yeah. We just created it. <laughs> and then West Nile virus, and now, of course, Zika, which everybody is very concerned about. Now, I just wanted to give us like a very tiny primer. Obviously, there's a lot of, out there about Zika right now, mm-hmm. but you know, frankly, like I wasn't quite aware of like the actual symptoms of it. For most people, it just causes a mild rash. The real concern here is the link to 4,000 Brazilian children that were born with microcephaly or what's sometimes called shrunken heads. Mm-hmm. Um, but we currently don't have a vaccine for Zika and developing a vaccine could take years. Yeah. So that th- there's a lot of concern about it. Also, I believe it is sexually transmittable as well. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. That was, See, uh, I did not know that. So it's, it's, we're continuing to learn exactly how it works and, um, the problems in trying to fight it, which often comes back around to fighting mosquitoes, fighting the, the, the vectors that are spreading it from one person to the next. Yeah. And in the past, we've depended on powerful insecticides like DDT to curb mosquito populations, but we've been forced to try different approaches in recent years, uh, including the use of, um, of a natural occurring soil bacterium called Bacillus thuringiensis uh, that uh, actually kills the insect larva. Mm. And then of course there are, there are more advanced techniques and that's really what we're going to talk about today. Some of these these really really intriguing ideas that go far beyond merely gassing the countryside. Yeah, so let's take a quick break and then when we come back we're going to talk to you about the mosquito factory, in particular one that's in China and another in Australia. Thank you. 
So, yes, the first uh, couple of mosquito factories, as they're called, because they are, we should just go and get this out of the way, they are basically endeavors to breed mosquitoes and pump them out, to essentially mass-produce mosquitoes, pump them out into the population in an attempt to control the shape of that population. So this is one of the limitations of the podcast medium, uh, and but, but we'll be able to add some of this to the landing page. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Atlantic uh, did a great article, photojournalism article, that we used as a, as a resource for this to learn more about it. And it was a series of, I want to say, like, what, 20 photos yeah, of the inside one of these mosquito spread, factories? Yeah. And man alive, it, it it made me itchy just looking at them. Uh, it, it's it's photos of what the inside of these labs look like, how they they've got like they, it shows people with just these jars filled with mosquitoes, or they've got racks uh, where they've got mosquito larvae, and they're like manually picking out the males from the females. And it's just uh, it, until you see it, it, it really doesn't I, I don't know ring home just how yeah. how literal the term mosquito factory yeah. is. Yeah, and the, uh, the, these particular efforts that we're going to talk about first here, first of all, the, there's one in Guangzhou, China. Right. And that's what the, 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 the photos refer to. And there's another one in Australia as well. Yeah. And these are both utilizing a technique that involves the use of Wolbachia bacteria. Yeah, so Wolbachia, its full name is, I believe, Wolbachia pipientis, which sounds cute. Pipientis. Yeah. It's like a hobbit. Yeah. Uh, Wolbachia is a bacterium, and it inhibits Zika and other viruses by preventing the fertilization of mosquito eggs. So when you reapply it over time to multiple generations, it can kill off an entire species of mosquito. Uh, the percentage of mosquitoes carrying it subsequently increases, and outbreaks can then be contained and reduced. Uh, Wolbachia, now if some of you out there are immediately you know, worried, oh my God, we're just putting this thing out into the world, what is it? Well, don't worry just yet about Wolbachia. It already occurs naturally in some mosquito species, yeah. but not in the Aedes aegypti that we're, we've been talking about already that's responsible for spreading all these diseases. Right, and it also does not pass on to humans. Right. It, uh, it, it like can't. My understanding is it cannot physically fit through the proboscis. It's actually present in up to 60% of all different species of insects that exist around us already. And it's reportedly, like as you just said, safe for humans, animals, and the environment. Uh, they've actually conducted two independent risk assessments on Wolbachia, and they found that it has negligible risk rating when it's released in mosquitoes. So that brings us to Guangzhou, China, which is where they're actually doing this now. Yeah, and uh, and as we'll discuss, they've they've been reporting some promising results. They're rearing and releasing these mosquitoes that are infected with Wolbachia, uh, and and really, you've already touched on this, but the the two key ideas here is that first, it renders the mosquitoes incapable of carrying a wide range of da- dangerous pathogens, including mm-hmm. including Zika. Yeah, and this is a quirk that the mosquitoes pass on to their offspring. So the parents have Wolbachia; they'll pass that on. But of course, this also again plays into the overall population because uh, when a male Wolbachia infected mosquito mates with an uninfected female, the resulting eggs don't hatch. It's only when both mates carry Wolbachia that the union results in a viable egg, and then that offspring has Wolbachia as well. Right. So it's it, it seems really almost kind of perfect, right? Because it's 
it's uh, it's it's making the creature unable to carry the illness that is the problem yeah. and it eliminates those the, the that uh, that do not carry this disease uh, inhibiting agent yeah it, uh, it's it it seems almost too perfect yeah um and which is you know i mean i my uh spider sense immediately no pun intended <laughs> uh, immediately goes off when i hear stuff like this cuz i'm like really like for messing with nature on this level what are the repercussions going to be um it's essentially mosquito eugenics in a way uh, yeah know? yeah absolutely um the factory in particular that we're talking about quote unquote factory in china it's based out of the sun yat sen university uh collaboration with michigan state university they have a joint center of vector control for tropical diseases there and basically what they're doing is they're releasing this infected population of mosquitoes on a place called sha zai island and they claim they've had a 99% suppression rate of the population of uh, the species Aedes albopictus there. Uh, otherwise, that one's known as the Asian tiger mosquito. That's the one that carries Zika in China. My question is, and I, I, I didn't have time to look into this and I didn't get a sense of it from the Atlantic article, but I'm wondering who lives on Shazai Island. And in particular, like, what's their risk, both of Zika and from these altered mosquitoes, right? So there are a lot of pictures in the Atlantic article showing families like kind of hiding under mosquito nets mm-hmm. and like dealing with their everyday life, just staying away from mosquitoes as much as possible. But why is that the perfect place other than, other than that it's an island, right? I looked around for an answer to this as well, and I yeah. didn't really get a good sense of it. I, I have been to Guangzhou. And I have visited uh, Shaman Island, which is um, a little bit upriver, I believe, from it. And I was looking at the map and trying to figure out how close they were to each other. Yeah. But I guess the important thing to, to keep in mind here is that uh, both of these islands, uh, uh, in particular, are on the the Zhejiang River. Okay. The the Pearl River, which cuts through the Gateway. Uh, city, the Chinese gateway city of Guangzhou, which has a population of 13.08 million people. So you yeah. can compare that to the 8.55 million people in New York City. Right. Yeah. That's, and that's a veritable feeding ground for mosquitoes. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a staggering metropolis, quite a blood bank for mosquitoes. And you have this major waterway and all these additional waterways just running like veins through the whole thing. So it's a very, um, a very wet city. Uh, yeah, I guess yeah. you could say. So that's kind of perfect for for yeah. what we're talking about, both for breeding the mosquitoes to to battle mm-hmm. these diseases, but also just for mosquitoes naturally. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I was wondering for, by looking at this photo essay was that they show the lab techs, like I mentioned earlier, separating the male larva from the female larva. I'm wondering how you do that, like. Um, not how do you sex mosquito larvae? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, not not. I, I don't mean like how like you know what are your tweezer size or right, whatever, right. but how more along how next. you tell yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, that was interesting to me as well. So if there's anybody out there, uh, listeners who know a little bit more about this, uh, and or you've been to this particular area in China, let us know because I'd love to know more about it, and uh, maybe we can catch up on it on like a listener mail episode. Yeah, I I I spent several days there, and it. Uh, it was a very, very hot month. I remember a Oof. lot of staggering through parks. Did you get uh, bitten by mosquitoes? Did not. I did not. Yeah. I don't remember having any problem with mosquitoes while I was there, but this was several years ago. Uh, so maybe the, the problem has been more uh, uh, pervasive in recent years. Well, one of the things that I found interesting, and it connects uh, the 
Chinese experiment to the Australian one that we're going to talk about is that they're both supported by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Hmm. They may be part of the same project, but one stat I saw said that the Walbachia research in China was given $40 million by the Gates Foundation, whereas the the research uh, in Australia, I think, was like something like 60, maybe. Okay. Um, so maybe it's a combined effort over time. But uh, this, so this is something that they're very interested in helping out with. Right. And uh, and stressing again, that, like both of these efforts are not only about tackling a regional problem, but also developing techniques that could be utilized elsewhere across the world. The world. Yeah. yeah. Mm hmm. So the Australian project that I mentioned, that's happening in a place called Townsville, which is within Queensland. And that project is part of a global initiative. Now, China wasn't included in this list, but it's also happening in Colombia, Vietnam, Indonesia and Brazil. Uh, Brazil we'll be talking about later. Uh, and the basic idea here is they want to test whether they can slow the spread of these diseases with Wolbachia, like we were talking about. Same process, they injected hundreds of thousands of Aedes aegypti mosquito eggs with Wolbachia. Uh, and so far, it seems like it's been somewhat successful, right? Yeah, you already mentioned the 99% suppression rate um, in Guangzhou. And then re- I've, I've also read, and this was this is from EliminateDengue.com uh, uh, that has a lot of material on on the efforts uh, yeah. with, of course, uh, an emphasis on eliminating dengue fever. But they they point out that research has shown that Wolbachia can sustain itself in mosquito populations without continual uh, reapplication. So, in other words, you know, I was talking about how it gets passed on, yeah, and you need the the male and the female that both have Wolbachia in order to create Wolbachia infected offspring. Well, if all you have, all we have to do, and not to to make it sound super easy, right. but you just have to reach that uh, that appropriate threshold of infection to where there's essentially no coming back from the mosquitoes. Yeah. Like mosquitoes yeah. now in this region, in this area, on this continent in particular, are all going to have Wolbachia. On that note, we are going to look at another mosquito factory option, that of genetically modified mosquitoes. Let's talk about this. Uh, they're genetically modified mosquitoes, uh, specifically Brazil is where they're being tested at. You seem to have coined an amazing title here. <laughs> uh, and if, if it hasn't yet, it's surely going to be a science fiction horror movie in the next 20 <laughs> years. What is it? Uh, GMO Skeeto. Yeah. <laughs> GMO Skeeto. I love it. Um, it works better, uh, textually, I think, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it might be the, the name of the next Mansquito esque. Right. Maybe it's a sequel film. to Mansquito. <laughs> um, so there's a company called Oxitec, and it's a UK company, and they specialize in this genetic modification of mosquitoes. They change the DNA of the mosquitoes so that they can only live for four days and so that their offspring won't get past the larval stage. They call these the friendly 80s. Uh, I, I think referring to that species uh, title that we've been using earlier. Now, Oxitec is owned by Intrexon. I love these names. You gotta for, get an X in there. Yeah, yeah. Why doesn't House of Works have? We should start spelling it with works, like with an X at the end of it. <laughs> uh, Oxitec is owned by Intrexon. That's a U.S. conglomerate, and that owns. This was a weird phrase, but I felt like we had to mention it. Quote a portfolio of transgenic organisms. Oh yeah, because if you have the recipe, you uh, exactly you own the. Uh, you own the dish. Yeah. And uh, so my understanding was that that was like everything from fish to plants. They they have a lot of transgenic organisms. Uh, and now they have these mosquitoes as well. Yeah. And I, we've touched on this before on the show, but it, transgenic organisms are not 
it's not all necessarily related to like here's a here's a new take on a wild animal. We're going to release yeah. this. There's a, a lot of it's experimental, and a lot of it is uh, industrial in nature, and not necessarily something with a with a backbone and and a and, uh, and, a, and a brain. You know, there's a lot of transgenic uh, bacteria and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. So this pilot program is taking place in Pura Chicaba, Brazil. And basically the idea here is they want to design something that will create a cost-effective method for cities across the world to stop mosquito spread disease. They started in April of 2014. Now, this is the same year that there was a huge epidemic of dengue fever there uh, that caused more than 1.5 million cases in Brazil. Now, the actual breeding factory for this, similar to the one that we talked about in China and the other one that's in Australia, is in Campinas, Brazil. They produce two million mosquitoes a week. Uh, basically what they do, same process. They mate the mosquitoes and they divide them by sex. The workers actually use these little electrified tennis rackets to protect themselves. Oh, yeah. The, the, these are the kind you can buy at, uh, what, at your local Walmart or yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they show them in the lab. They've got one hand, you know, I don't know, separating out the larva and the other hand is on <laughs> this tennis racket just, you know, ready to whack mosquitoes around. Uh, both Zika and dengue, as we've previously mentioned, are spread by this Aedes mosquito, so that's why they're studying it there. Brazil, in particular, as we mentioned, has this long history of mosquito problems. Uh, so uh, uh, yet another reason. They declared that the Aedes was eradicated, but they were not. Uh, so how much is this actually working? How much are they changing? Um, Oxitec, they first came up with the idea in 2012. They released sterile males to compete for mates out in the out in the wild. They engineered their mosquitoes so that they would overproduce a protein that will kill them unless they are fed an antibiotic called tetracycline. Without it, the males and then subsequently their offspring just die off. It's a little different than what's going on with the Wolbachia, but mm-hmm. same premise essentially. Yeah, and actually, this is a similar strategy that's uh, that's rolled out with a number of different transgenic organisms to prevent them from. From, from thriving in the wild and make them depend on something they can only get in the lab. Yeah, in fact, I was actually talking to Joe about this before we mm-hmm. jumped in the studio, our co-host on Stuff to Blow Your Mind, and uh, Joe told me that on his other podcast, Forward Thinking, they've talked about this before, uh, in particular using CRISPR to gene edit, and it's referred to as a gene drive, mm-hmm. uh, and they've talked about that sort of broader implication, not just mosquitoes, but uh, uh, other uh, species as well. Um so the another part of the genetic modification process, this is interesting, they make the larvae glow with a fluorescence that only shows up when they're exposed to a special light. So this allows them to sort of, you know, they find breeding grounds, they, they hover this light, sort of like the strain, that's what I'm thinking yeah. of, they've got these ultraviolet lights, they hover it over and they can see which ones are, are their GMO mosquitoes right. or not. So this is very much like the not, the notched ear on a feral cat that has been spared. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they're looking to see, you know, how successful their efforts are with that. There's also work being done in other U.S. labs in California and Virginia, and they're using CRISPR to cause the gene drive that I mentioned. Same premise here. This would be used to drive Aedes aegypti into extinction. They weave the insect's DNA differently. Then the given gene spreads to all the mosquito's offspring, and this is a process that is referred to as super-inheritance. This leads to a population replacement by spreading the gene, and it makes mosquitoes unsuitable hosts for certain pathogens, like Zika, Dengue, all these things that we're worried about. 
basically it makes all the offspring male. So they'll, they're just going to eventually die off. Now, this is hotly debated and we've, we've hinted at this already, but there's a lot of concerns about how this would affect the ecosystem, especially as you noted, whenever you bring up the terms GMO right. about anything, people, people's hackles get raised. Uh, so there's some fear out there that the DNA could change and might jump to other insects or that if something went wrong, these scientists wouldn't be able to recall it. Uh, and what if there was a biological niche that these mosquitoes were filling that, you know, we need and we'd get rid of it? And we'll talk a little bit about that at the end of the episode. But, you know, there's some concerns there, uh, rightfully so. I mean, when I hear stuff like this, I immediately think of like, it, again, sci-fi movies. Like I think of something like Children of Men. Like oh, you yeah. know, Children of Men begins, and like there's you can no longer breed children, and they, I don't think they ever really like give any kind of like sciency reason as to why. But you know, if you wanted to conspiracy theorist wise, you could extrapolate from this something like that. Right? Well, it's funny that you mentioned uh, conspiracy theories, but because of course there has been a specific conspiracy yeah. theory that has proven rather difficult to eradicate in Brazil based on these activities. Yeah, in fact, the conspiracy theory is is that because of the genetic modification that they're doing, they think that this caused Zika. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't make scientific sense, but yeah, it makes no evidence. But it, but it makes conspiracy theory sense because sure. you have here you have this mosquito. You're toying with its its ability to create um, healthy offspring, and then we look at some of the ramifications of of Zika, particularly on on uh, pregnant humans. Oh yeah, and you can see how that feeds into this uh, this conspiracy narrative. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, a lot of debate about that. We're going to talk about sort of the good and 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 you know risky aspects of this a little. But later, the question is, is this successful? Does this work? You know, same as the the Wolbachia. Well, after 10 months of testing it in two small neighborhoods in Brazil, they say that the number of dengue cases there went from 133 to one per year. They also say that the program has decreased wild mosquitoes by more than 80% in the neighborhoods that they treated. Now, this is just two neighborhoods. For it to really work on a large scale, they're going to have to release massive numbers of these mosquitoes and continuously to protect all of the Pirachacaba city. It's going to take three billion bugs a year. That would cost $7 and 50 cents per person per year, which means that the the city would have to spend around $2.7 million a year. Now here's the, the rub. That's almost exactly the same amount of money that they currently spend on sprays, larvicides, and all oh. of their sick leave costs related to these mosquito spread disease. So city officials are looking forward to making this switch. They kind of see it as like a one for one swap. Uh, but there's a problem. Brazil barely has the money to pay for something like this right now. I mean, certainly this is a Brazil's money problems. Uh, this has been a, an important uh, news story of late. Yeah. I mean, we hear about it in relation to the Olympics, right. but like, you know, think about your city manager and you're trying to deal with a problem like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have the $2.7 million a year to spend on this experimental GMO mosquito that you're going to release? Yeah, that there are already conspiracy theories about uh-huh. uh, gaining traction with the populace. Yeah, what do you do? And here's the thing. Brazil's biosafety agency has actually approved them, but they still can't be sold commercially because... Uh, they actually require, this is Oxitec here, requires certification from Brazil's medical regulator. Now, despite this, the city is 
already entered into an agreement to spend $800,000 over two years to protect something around 60,000 people uh, using this method. Now, the actual gene editing that, that would eradicate mosquitoes, that's a couple years away from actual use here. And then that leads to the conspiracy theory that you mentioned earlier, which is that these GMO mosquitoes are causing Zika, that they're part of the problem. And, you know, I, I can only imagine where it goes next from there. You know, they're, I, I don't know, we're going to start turning into, oh, maybe that's the origin story for Mansquito. Yeah. Is the GM mosquito comes and stings you, and then you give birth to a mosquito. Okay, it still doesn't explain why why mosquito uh, is sucking blood, but, but yeah, yeah. Now for this last portion of the the podcast episode, I'm I'm going to discuss some of the arguments for keeping mosquitoes. Yeah, but before we do that, go ahead and just hit us with all the the bad mosquito <laughs> talking points uh, you can whip out. Well, so uh, yeah, I looked at an article uh justifying why we should just annihilate mosquitoes basically. <laughs> uh and this isn't me speaking, this is the article, but uh the source mainly comes from Walter Reed Army Institute of Research which is based in Silver Spring, Maryland. They study mosquitoes there. Uh in fact, the the stories about how they study the mosquitoes there are absolutely insane. Like they they feed them ground up fish food and then they offer them bellies of unconscious mice to drain oh. the blood out of. And they said that the mosquitoes drain the blood out of 24 mice a month. Hmm. Um, so I'm assuming that they actually kill these mice, uh, but they, they knock them out first. Now, even these scientists who spend all day interacting with these mosquitoes and studying them when they were asked about this were like, oh yeah, we'd be much better off without them. <laughs> kill them. Uh, malaria spread by mosquitoes infects 247 million people per year, and it kills 1 million people per year, not to mention all those other diseases we've already mentioned. So the question here really is, would mosquitoes be missed in the ecological system if we just utterly exterminated them? Well, we know they're everywhere, right? So they, they probably have a, a, a lot of, uh, of role in the system. And that's true. It could leave a predator without a prey or it could leave a plant without a pollinator. Yeah. I mean, these are both really important factors because mosquitoes, first of all, they make up a fairly huge slice of the biomass yeah. on our planet. They serve as food for various invertebrate and vertebrate species. We're talking beetles, fish, birds, bats, dragonflies, etc. The larvae are especially uh, an important gobbled up in aquatic environments. Yeah. And you can also look at it this way. They're providing an important uh, uh, benefit here to aquatic and terrestrial ecosystems by converting paramecium and other first level consumers into high quality insect protein. Oh, yeah, that is a good point. I uh, I mentioned uh, Bill Shute's uh, excellent book, Dark Banquet, earlier. In that, yeah. he rolls out some various estimates for how many mosquitoes bats eat. Okay. And the the upper estimate, and this is one that, that he actually has some problems with, but just to give you an idea, the upper estimate is as many as 600 mosquitoes per hour. Wow. So even if it's, if it's less than that, bats eat a lot of mosquitoes. So if you remove that, what are they going to eat? Well, that's interesting because one of the things that I read said that bats are the perfect model to look at how some predators would move to other insects mm. because when they have the option, bats prefer to eat moths. Interesting. And they have okay. a much smaller percentage of mosquitoes in their bellies when they're opened up. Okay. So, yeah. so the bats might be okay. Maybe. Other creatures, I don't know. we don't know. Um, 
also just a, a quick note on the the pollination uh, issue. We already mentioned about how both uh, both sexes of mosquitoes uh, uh, visit flowers and are involved in pollination. Uh, they're particularly involved in various orchid species. So if you if you value a beautiful orchid like like yeah. like a lot of people, uh, bear in mind that mosquitoes may play an important role in uh, in in carrying on that species through pollination. So there's here's a really weird repercussion that I would have never thought of, uh, but it goes to show you sort of that circle of life thing that just like there's uh, or, or a butterfly effect mm-hmm. that we could never predict. Uh, so apparently mosquitoes highly affect caribou herds and what their migratory patterns are. Oh, yeah. Because if there's clouds of mosquitoes along a certain way, the caribou sense that they swerve out of the way and it changes their directional patterns. I've seen uh yeah, I've seen this uh, featured on documentaries before concerning caribou and perhaps I'm maybe misremembering here, but perhaps reindeer as well. Okay. Where the, the, the airborne parasites become just such a problem yeah. that they'll, they'll go to higher altitudes where yeah. they're not bothered by them. But of course there they don't have as, as, as good an access to food. Exactly. So, right. so how does all of that change yeah. if we just utterly get rid of mosquitoes, you know? Uh, what does that do to caribou? And then subsequently, what does that do to the human population? Yeah, this is interesting because basically with the caribou, the mosquitoes are an obstacle and mm. the pattern of their life revolves around circumventing those obstacles. Yeah. And we see that in human history as well. Uh, science writer David uh, Quammen proposed uh, this uh, several years back, and I believe... Um, Robert Krolwich talked about this in a blog post that also okay. picked up additional traction uh, in recent years. But uh, Kwamen proposed that the ravages of mosquito-borne illnesses in many equatorial rainforest forest areas actually staved off the advance of human exploitation until the 21st century. Yeah, I, I remember seeing mm-hmm. this as well, that they're sort of like the guardians of the rainforest. Yeah, they are the the swamp thing, the, the <laughs> bring it evil here, yeah. because just of the, the pervasive nature of uh, mosquito-borne malaria and other illnesses just keeping us from... <laughs> From just completely tearing it down and exploiting yeah. it. Well, and then the other argument in, t- in favor of destroying mosquitoes is, let's face it, if we eradicated them, there would be more people, right? Like mm. mosquitoes spread these diseases, kill millions of people every year. And in a so, sense, they are managing our population. Exactly. So do the costs of an increased human population outweigh the benefits of a healthier human population? Yeah, that's a tough, cause you can't, that is not something you can argue in a political exactly. environment, or you can barely yeah. argue it just in, in human conversation and say, hey, yeah. sure, malaria related deaths are horrible, but they're keeping our numbers down. So we should, you know, you, yeah. just, you just can't argue that we should, that we should keep an illness around, right? If we can exactly. all fight it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a tough one and scientists on both sides of it are, they're arguing about it, but they're also kind of at a loss. Like, hmm. do we do this? I mean, now keep in mind, like the stuff that we talked about today, the Wolbachia and the genetically modified thing, this is restricted to one species of mosquito. They're not, right. they're not destroying all mosquitoes, but because again, only like 200 out of 1300 yeah. are actually a pest to us. Yep. So we wouldn't be taking out all of the mosquitoes, but certainly, as we've yeah. discussed, just focusing on a few, taking the, them out entirely, are we pulling the the biological Jenga block out uh, too too close to the bottom there? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Only time will tell. But it it definitely sounds like the origin story for some kind of 
science fiction horror masterpiece. <laughs> so, you know, or a utopian well, dream. It might be in which maybe, you don't have to worry about going. Maybe outside this will and- fix everything. <laughs> <laughs> maybe this is the answer to wicked problems. Maybe so. just kill all the mosquitoes. Well, it, I'm sure some of you out there are listening and are like, I have an opinion on this. Well, you want to share that opinion with us? There's lots of ways to do so. You can reach out to us on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Tumblr. We're on Instagram. Uh, all those platforms were blow the mind or something close to that. If you search for blow the mind, you'll find us. Look for, look for the little head with the explodey symbol. Uh, although our logo might be changing soon. That's exciting. True. Yeah. Uh, and then. You can always go to stufftoblowyourmind.com. That's not just where the podcasts live. We've got all kinds of stuff there. We've got the videos that we do. We've got articles that we write. Uh, Robert's blog posts about electronic music that we mentioned in the last episode about Amusia. So there's lots of stuff going on in the Stuff to Blow Your Mind ecosystem that you might be missing out on that aren't just podcasts. And maybe they're Pokemon there. I don't know. There could be. I wonder, they're everywhere. Yeah. They could be in yeah, there. Yeah, go search for I them. bet that's where Mewtwo lives. <laughs> Which one's Mewtwo? That's like the super powerful one that's crazy rare. Oh, I thought, that it's was, actually, I thought that Pikachu was the super powerful one. Oh, Pikachu's the protagonist, man. Oh, okay. But Mewtwo is like the, it's genetically modified, actually. Uh-huh. Wait, are they all, so there are heroes and villains among the Pokemon? Uh, it's more along the lines of that they're all neutral, depending on who catches them and what they do with them. But Mewtwo was genetically modified and evolved into like a, a super sentient psychic Pokemon that wanted to take over and destroy the world. Okay. Well, hopefully, uh, mosquito factories won't go in that direction. Yes. And as always, if you want to reach out to us the old-fashioned way, the email address is blowthemind at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 